spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99, plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Look around you. That car you're driving, that house your family lives in, making your daughter laugh, inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you. And your dreams for tomorrow, you'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. On this episode of DC On Screen, Jason's got some numbers for us, don't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plenty of crunchy math. <laughs> crunchy math. And uh, we don't have a lot of news, but we got some feedback. Right after this. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. What is is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen episode 525. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This, the man who taught me that Old Spice wasn't for cooking, Jason <laughs> Goss. Nice. <laughs> I always wonder, I kept wondering why I kept having tummy aches, you know? Yeah. It was that, and it was that, and a massive amount of salt. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm reaping what I sowed now, buddy. There you go. <laughs> oh man! So, guys, it's happened—the thing that everyone said would never happen until like the last like two weeks, and then they were like, "Holy shit! Oh, I think it's gonna, gonna happen." happen. Um, Aquam, Aqua, Aquaman, Okraman, Okraman, Aquaman <laughs> crossed one billion dollars. Hashtag one billion. Yeah, <laughs> as, as they say. I've seen that everywhere. Yep, that's that's crazy. It's awesome. Like, I, it's a great movie. Totally deserves it. Yeah, I am shocked. I honestly am. Like, I never would have thought Aquaman of all things would would cross the one billion dollar mark. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not Wonder Woman, not BVS, not you know whatever. But hey, they did it right. Yeah, nailed it. Or at the great. very least. And At the very least, right enough. I, it was <laughs> evidently. Like I'm, I'm only a little bit joking about. I think the movie is so pretty that people watched it the first time and said, "I'm going to come back and watch this stoned." Oh yeah. At the very least, it was so pretty that you, somebody thought, "Like, no, I, that's that's worth seeing on a big screen again." Let me go back. Yeah, the um, the stoned college student is a is a very important demographic. Yeah, yeah. Not that they have a ton of money, but man, they've got heart. Yeah. Well, some of them do have a ton of money because they're dealing drugs. Right. And those people clearly made it to the movie. Mm. And so many people went without pot that night. God bless those little red-eyed souls. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said a couple episodes ago, or last episode, I don't even know when it was. Yay! Research. Yeah. Um, I woke up to a message from you. Uh-huh. 
we'll see and if I remember it. There were just series of numbers, and I was confused, and you had to come over to my house because I was packing. I said I was moving to Canada. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was dodging the draft, and you had to remind me, no, it's not Vietnam. I just sent you stats. Oh, yeah. No, that's just... Well, it's your normal first hour grogginess, plus you saw a bunch of numbers, and you, you, you probably did. I, that's not fair. I should have probably... Yeah, I probably should, shouldn't have done that to you. I'm not a math guy. It's not something you enjoy. Or understand. <laughs> I, I mean, I have, like, I've, I've got some stuff here, but it's not altogether complicated. Mm-hmm. It's really not, there's there's not, like, like there's, we're not talking, like, linear regression and correlation. There's not enough data to do that. There's only five movies mm-hmm. and 20 movies. You need about 30 data points to even really start thinking about that kind of thing. Right, and and you do bring Marvel into this. We talked about this before. We've talked about it a couple times now. Um, I still don't understand it, but you're you're awesome. You're going to get this. They're going to understand it. The audience is way smarter than me. Uh, we have people <laughs> telling me how to say shit and how to do. It's fine. They'll get it. Yeah, you and bring we, Marvel we, into this. Bear in mind, we do love corrections. So I don't, yeah, I'll, I'll tell absolutely. you up front these the my citations for this. I got all of my data for me the Rotten Tomatoes and their ratings. Uh huh. And I got all of the budget numbers and the box office numbers from a website called The Numbers. Mm-hmm. Let's not bury the lead, though. What 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 exactly are you doing here? <clears throat> we pretty much compared how Rotten Tomatoes and general audience ratings perform against actually how the movie went, or how the movie actually did. And then we also kind uh-huh. of compared the overall uh, Rotten Tomatoes versus general audience uh, landscape and, and what that wh- what that looked like. And then also kind of... The box office in general for some of these movies, and and how much they're really making, and what like what the numbers really look like when you pull out. What did they spend on this? What did it actually make? Okay, how how does the studio feel about it? Mm-hmm. Now, where we you do bring Marvel into this, it is not in any way a jab. It's not a stab. <clears throat> we like Marvel. This is merely taking the biggest competitor in the market and comparing, right? Correct. The only All other. Right operable franchise that this would work on. I mean, I could have used Star Wars or something, but this is really, the MCU is really the other the, the other one, you know? I can't believe he used Marvel. Why is it right. going to be Marvel versus DC? Why couldn't he have used Hellboy? <laughs> and again, <laughs> we're not making this Marvel versus DC it, 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 to be objectionable. We're making it Marvel's DC because that's the best comparison. Right. And then right. I'm just saying what the numbers said. Yeah, now, I mean, I say we, but it's all you, buddy. I don't, I don't know. I'm... I am not a numbers guy. I don't know Fair what enough. you're talking about. I will explain I, I them to you. I got the gist. I will explain them to you very, <laughs> very slowly. Um, but first, if you found it, would you would you briefly summarize how Rotten Tomatoes gets both its Rotten Tomatoes critic percentage and how it gets yeah. its general audience percentage when you when you go to any movie on their website when you look for the sure. the tomato or the popcorn? Yeah. Now this is on RottenTomatoes.com/slash/about. Under the segment Curation, Rotten Tomatoes has assembled a team of curators whose job it is to read thousands of movie and TV reviews weekly. The team collects movie and TV reviews from Tomato Meter approved critics and publications every day, generating Tomato Meter scores. Our curators carefully read these reviews, noting if the reviews are fresh or rotten, and choose a representative pull quote. Tomato meter approved critics can also self-submit their reviews. That sounds to me like they are just reading the reviews and deciding by themselves what is rotten or fresh. It does. Um, when we kind of summarize the, the, the numbers here, we're going to go over what that means for the numbers. 
But now on the it audience, sounds like score. to get the percentage, and again, sounds like because there's a little bit of squiffiness here, but it sounds like they basically read the review and either put it in the bad pile or the good pile, and then they take the percentage mm-hmm. and see what the pile looks like. Which would and that would explain why you will get like a positive pull quote sometimes, but the review says it's rotten. Correct. Um, yeah. Now the audience score is apparently. Um, <laughs> When at least 60% of users give a movie or TV show a star rating of 3.5 or higher, a full popcorn bucket is displayed to indicate its fresh status. When less than 60% of users give a movie or TV show a star rating of 3.5 or higher, a tipped-over bucket is displayed to indicate its rotten status. So that's how the audience score is... is uh, So 3.5 is your, yeah. your marker. And mm-hmm. if you watched the movie and said it was a 3.4, they put you in the bad pile. If it was a 3.6, mm-hmm. they put you in the good pile. Right. And then they take the percentage of the two piles. It's what it sounds like to me. Yes. So, what does this amount to? All right. <clears throat> I'm going to go over the really complicated one first, just to get that out of the way. But if, if this one's the one that's a little... I kind of made up a statistic to do this. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't have to. It may not make sense at all. We just... I'm, I'm trying something here. Mm-hmm. Here is... What we found on it. Okay. What I did was I took the Rotten Tomato Critic and the Rotten Tomato General Alliance, and I basically took the world box office and sandbagged it versus that rating. So, like, right. for instance, Man is still $668 million when it, uh, in, in the box office. Well, it got a Rotten Tomato rating of 56%. I'll just multiply it, just simple multiplication. So, in my mind, that means that, like, if, if Rotten Tomatoes give it in 100 this score would be 100, but instead, in my mind, that says Rotten Tomatoes' confidence in it means it, they thought it should have made around $374 million. It's just multiplying those two figures is all. Mm-hmm. That's just an example. So <clears throat> when you take all of the average, you average all of like how, mu- how far were they off. Rotten Tomatoes was off an average of $414 million over the f- course of the DCU franchise. Mm-hmm. General audience, 585 What it amounted to, no, I'm sorry, 414 million is what they thought the average movie should have made. 585 was what the general audience should have made, which means they mm-hmm. were off by a percentage of, and this is from 100, which means the general audience was ranking these movies 26% off what they finally, finally ended up making. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rotten Tomatoes was ranking them off 48% off what they were should, what they could have expected. Go to the MCU, and it's going to be a lot of this. It's going to be here's the DCU MCU. Um, same same method, same figures. 85% for both of them. I mean, on the spot, 85% right. both ways. They were only off by $5 million total from Rotten Tomatoes versus General Audience. 85% this confidence level. They were only 15% off. Just tells me that there was a, a lot higher confidence in the movies, both, both in Rotten Tomatoes and General Audience. Just DCU versus MCU. Just a different world as far as the confidence goes. Now, you look into the actual breakdown of those numbers... So let's look at the say the first thing we're going to look at is total difference in the ra- in the, the the ratings. All right, Rotten Tomatoes MCU eighty four percent, Rotten Tomatoes general audience eighty three percent. That was MCU scores. So average of all the ratings they gave them over the course of the franchise eighty four and eighty three percent. We go to DCEU Rotten Tomatoes fifty one general audience seventy three. Mm-hmm. Still down both ways, but down pretty hard. Down down pretty damn hard. You take the average of how far they were off, okay? Yeah. What you end up with aggregate across the entire franchise is a 1% difference between the critics and the audience in the MCU. 
and one percent positive, mind you, meaning that the general audience overall gave it one percent less <laughs> was rated at one percent less than the Rotten Tomatoes rated it. So over there, they've got they've got a positive skew. It's only by one percent, but it's a positive skew, and they're really close. That's what you get from that. Mm-hmm. Over in the DCU, you get a general audience of seventy-three, Rotten Tomatoes of fifty-one. So what that means is it was a negative twenty-two percent change. So not only are we in the negative now, where Rotten Tomatoes is rating it way lower than general audience, it is way lower than the general audience, twenty-two percent off. Significant figure to me. Mm-hmm. What it amounts to is let's just look at the top five. Top five, and the, this is just the individual difference between the movies and the you know the rankings on each side. All right, coming in number one for sure, no surprise probably, Batman vs Superman, thirty-six percent right. difference between what the general audience gave it versus Rotten Tomatoes. Coming in at number two, Suicide Squad and Justice League actually tied at negative 33. Still, still way, way off. Uh, getting a little closer to, 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 just get a little closer. We got third, Man of Steel at negative 19%. Okay, now at number four, we finally get in the MCU at 18% for Black Panther. But guess what? 18% in the positive. They guessed 18% higher than the general audience did. Then we go back. <laughs> number five. <laughs> Aquaman, negative 16%. Those are the top five, I guess six if you include Justice League, but they're tied. Those are our top six out of the entirety of 25, 26 movies. All, all, both franchises, 26 movies, and the top six differences by a wide margin in most of them is DCEU. Mm-hmm. So, you want to get more specific about it? Here's where it sure. stands. Let's look at the first five movies. We didn't ha- I didn't have totals for Aquaman, so we left that out. Also, there's a reason it should be the first five Number six is the Avengers in the MCU, right? Uh-huh. All right. First five movies. Budget. Total. For MCU, $783 million. Total box office, $2.29 billion. Not too shabby. Uh, that comes in at a 293% return on investment. If anyone does not know what that term means, it literally just means the percentage between difference between what you made versus what you spent. Simple. Uh-huh. Go to the DCU. $1.1 billion on the budget for the first five movies. Really swinging for the fences there. Total box office, three point seven. Six billion dollars comes in at a 342% return on investment. That is 49% higher than the MCU in the first five movies. Wow. Think about the words failing franchise that you've read all over the news. And then I present to you those first five numbers. Mm-hmm. So, not to say it's all it's been that way the whole time. So look at it. MCU starts to course direct after Avengers 1, 675% return on investment. Iron Man slightly down at 608. After that, they kind of average back down to 400. Still awesome, right? No one, no losers yeah. here. Uh, nope. Another big speed, uh, another big peak at five hundred three with Spider Man, and then series high with Infinity War, which uh, gobbled up all the money in the universe. <laughs> final numbers, not including Aquaman's final, but we're really close. I mean, this is as of today Aquaman's numbers, so it's still going to make a little bit more, but it's not going to be terribly relevant. MCU total budget three point eight four billion dollars. They make seventeen point five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Good God. Comes in at 456% return. DZAU, $1.26 billion. Now, doesn't look like that big figure now, um, $4.77 billion in return. That's still 379%. Mm-hmm. Which means also they've gone up from 342 to 379 between these last two movies because Aquaman, you know, also made all the money. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun part, though. And this is why I'm saying, like, this is not it's the MCU versus DCU thing. I'm showing these figures. I'm just trying to we're just trying to present that there is something going on a little bit. That's going to be our takeaway. But altogether, here's another fun tar- takeaway. 
as an outsourced product, just outsourced from America. This makes a little over $4 billion in total, to- total box office revenue in 2017 alone between the two franchises. Let's assume mm-hmm. 70% of that is domestic, which is conservative. That leaves $1.2 billion on the table for exclusively international sales. During 20, 2017, the U.S. gross domestic product, the GDP, was around $19.4 trillion, which means the comic book movies alone contributed around 6% to everything America earned in the entirety of 2017. Mm-hmm. Good dear God. And they did that at an average of 270% return, which means, again, good dear God, that's a lot of money. Uh, hashtag America. Mind you, <laughs> that does not include television or print sales and i don't want to include merchandise and in saying that doesn't mind it because there's so many a lot of the merchandise is actually produced off season i wouldn't even know how to guess at that figure but that doesn't include television or print sales the, like the, these things make so much money so much money and i want to give you that figure because if any next time anyone makes fun of you for watching comic movie you say hey fucker we brought in six percent of the money that this country made in 2017 are there still people making fun of others for Listening to or they're, watching, they're, it's still out there. It's just not as hot. We, the, the you know nerd is cool these days, but it's still out there. Yeah. Okay. End of rant. I hope everyone's still with me, Dave. Any takeaways? Any takeaway? Um, the bias is real. I think I think that's evident. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I think like I know we've said it, and I don't want to. And there's still arguments about it. I mean, the, that's a hashtag. The bias is real. Like it's there. I, I can yeah. see it in, in real numbers. Again, anyone, go pull the same numbers and tell me what I did wrong, and I'll gladly retract it. Yeah. I, I am a little curious as to how, which I don't, I'm don't. i not sure how you would even come up with this, but or if, it, if it's different for every movie or whatever, but I am curious how uh, the international box office is factor in, factored in, given that we make the studios make less money for international sales than they do for domestic sales. True. I mean, yeah, there's there's a um there's a percentage chunk of that that stays stays out. Um mm-hmm. and by the way, I didn't mean to mention that. These were world box office sales. I wasn't doing domestic. Right. I've just for all you know, of the figures heard, I just presented. I've heard people give conflicting reports as to how much that means. I've I've seen certain people say like every dollar dom- uh, internationally is like a fourth of a dollar for uh, you know uh, the the studios, whereas you know every dollar domestically is like half for the studio. I've seen those kinds of numbers, but I really don't. I know. don't. I don't know where those numbers come. I from wouldn't even who. guess until I've seen a contract. Mm-hmm. Like unless I've seen a contract or or like had a quick sit down with Sujihara or somebody, I I really wouldn't know how to guess. Yeah, because I've I've just seen a lot of people trying to uh, because Aquaman only did uh, two hundred ninety one million. Um, here, you hear, and most of their, like, I think it was like seventy one on a budget of, their, of 160. It, it only nearly yeah. doubled its money. Yeah, seventy one percent of Poor its thing. take though is foreign. So a lot of people are saying it's not that big of a deal. The the billion dollar, and uh, yeah, they're just a bunch of angry assholes chewing on sour grapes. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, I mean, yeah, but a bit. um, but I, mean, I was a little curious if you'd factor a, that in. Another fun one though, like average, just. Just an average, because you know they're going to be heavy hitters, and I mean, God, like Infinity War tore up with freaking two billion dollars. I mean, it, it's it's mm. huge. Um, mm-hmm. Average for the franchise for MCU eight seventy five million, not a bad average. Yeah. Um, no. Seven ninety six for DCEU again, not a bad average. And they've got they're they're spending more in their films. Like it's two hundred ten billion for the DCU and one hundred ninety one million. Did I say billion? I meant million. 
um, mm-hmm. for the MCU. I mean, they're spending on average another twenty million per movie, mm-hmm. but I think they're starting to learn that lesson too. From I mean, you look at like the Joker, which we know was going to be made on a smaller budget, stuff like that. I think they're Birds of Prey. We're starting to hear maybe maybe a smaller budget. I think they're starting to learn their lesson on that too. They don't have to make these big tentpole uh, yeah. things. Like even Aquaman wasn't that big a budget for what we saw. And I I can't remember what exactly. I I'll have to look it up. Um, but if if that even that information is even out there. But I want to say I read that Shazam was like a third of Aquaman's budget. <laughs> Something yeah, like that. It would not be much at all. Let me let me try this. Hold on. It's not. I'm not seeing it on. Trusty the numbers. Yeah. No. Uh. No data yet that I can see. Hmm. Yeah, they don't have uh, Aquaman's budget listed on Box Office Mojo either. Yeah, I went to the numbers, same place, pulled everything else. They don't have the budget yet for uh, for Shazam. I would love it if, if um, I mean, part of it would be annoying. Yeah, they've got, like, if you just Google Aquaman, it just says budget 160 to 200 million. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was thinking Shazam was probably somewhere in the 50 to 75 range, but I don't know. Could be. I, I, I do no think idea. they're learning the lesson. Like the most they've ever spent on a movie in the DC was three hundred million, and that was, I mean, that was Justice League. Like a lot of that three hundred million didn't get into the final cut. A lot of it was paying. I mean, it, like when when we talked about her a few shows ago, like we've talked about it several times, they brought in several people to come take a look at it, maybe see what they would do with the movie. That if they paid those people that came in said, "Hey, here's what I would do," and were never heard from again, that mm-hmm. goes into the budget for the movie. Now I you know I um yeah I I could swear I could swear I read the, uh, Shazam's budget at some point but uh, yeah the, the, back in November it looks like they did uh, they did order reshoots and expanded the budget mm-hmm. a fair amount so um yeah that they probably haven't uh, updated the what you know the numbers for the budget uh, anywhere so they that's probably why most sites don't have it anymore. Gotcha. I mean, we'll be able to look at that when it comes out. And we know what we're comparing against now. But the major takeaways were, one, in the ratings, uh, clearly different. Clearly an entirely different ballpark. Uh, and and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, general audience versus MCU on DCU. Like, yeah, the general audience is still, on average, ranking the DCE lower. But mm-hmm. it's tanking in the Rotten Tomatoes crowd. Just tanking. Yeah. Whole different ballpark. I mean, there's only well, a, what, 10% difference and think about how much bad press these things get. For the general audience rating on the MCU of 83 versus the DCEU's 73, that is a huge amount of negative press. That is, it's only It only really shows up as a 10%er. Yeah. That's not a lot. That's that's a grade level. I mean, that's a grade point, you know. Um, it clearly shows up in the ratings. It, it, to me, again, one of the big takeaways for me was the top five, the first five before Avengers hit. I, it, again, not a failed franchise. When these were at the same point, and it's and then now we're at the sixth movie. What Avengers make? One point five billion. It's not a. I mean, Aquaman's just past one billion. It's not that far off still. I bet if I ran the first six right now, it's probably maybe still DCU winning, or at least they're pretty even. Yeah. The um other thing is the way. All right, think about it again the way Rotten Tomatoes is gathering their numbers. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll talk uh, in general audience. It's it's not the worst metric. 
it w- I would much prefer it if it was a true one. If you would you rank it, you give it a ranking. You give it a 63% and your score goes whole hog to the final score. That's your score of 63% and you just average all the percentages. Mm-hmm. That would be a clean clear test. The 3 yeah. the 3.5 thing is it's weird, but at least it's a metric. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at least it's it's at least it's a thing, and and you can see what they're doing. And I don't think it's the best way to gather that data, but like I don't know what's stopping him from doing it the other way. Yeah, at least it's not some asshole sitting there going like, "Well, I read this whole review, and he loves the actors, the plot, the themes, everything, but he didn't like the score." That sounds like a that sounds like a rotten sounds score like to me. He, sounds like he was not big on it. Tomato. Um, but th- that's the thing <laughs> is. Here's here's the loop you're seeing. All right. Think about right before a movie, you start to see a Rotten Tomatoes score. Right right before the premiere, you start seeing the score, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that score apparently appears because they have this uh, team of experts sitting around reading thousands of things. Um, which, I mean, there can't be thousands. It's got to be maybe in the hundreds for, for an individual film. I would think, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe a hundred. Like, unless 200. they're reading, like, the Pittsburgh Examiner or some shit. Like, how deep do they go with their research, you know? Well, I mean, let's, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Let's, let's look, let's see what just, uh, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some of those, that. and they do just, it's mostly just the big stuff. It's like Newsweek or USA Today or some crap. Like, they, yeah. they mostly just take the, take the big guys that, I, I mean, when you look at their pool quotes, it's, it's not going to be, you know, some dude's blog in Oklahoma. It's normally the big guys with an actual, you know. All right. Venue. So critic reviews for Aquaman, there were three hundred and seventeen. Okay, that's so, not thousands. It's not thousands. I mean, they're doing they're doing thousands a day, but it's for uh, for X amount right. of movies, right? Right. So let's say you got those three hundred reviews. Somebody sat down, read it, did what you're describing as, and you know, granted, you're doing an exaggerated case, but it's still it's still possible that it, it really does seem to be their interpretation, the curator's interpretation of their review. And then it seems to be like, well, that was bad or that was good. Binary, one or the other. That means that a few days before the movie comes out, when the uh, the, the moratorium for the press is lifted, whenever that happens, mm-hmm. the 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 cycle begins, right? All these sources finally become available for them to go back and review and, and start to do their rating. Okay, well, it only takes a couple days for those for them to get through those 300-something reviews. I mean, hell, it's just 300 reviews. I could do that in an 8-to-5 day. Get them on, get them rated, get a get a number on the site. Mm-hmm. Well, you have the the first reviews, which are you know maybe they're mixed. Maybe it's maybe it's you know eighty percent they feel good about it. Well, then you get the review, which has now been you know sorted through by the curators at Rotten Tomatoes, and it it goes it becomes a number. Now it's like sixty three percent rotten or fresh or whatever. Okay. Well, then begins the next news cycle where now the same people that were starting this process talk about how it's got a bad rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And it it cre- it, it creates this cyclone of doom that picks up all the fun and whimsy from our childhoods and dumps it in a fucking dumpster. That that's what happens. It's just it's it's cycle. And it's actually pretty easy to see how the damn cycle happens because everyone looks at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's frustrating to lay this thing open. I was not happy doing these numbers. It's an unfortunate circumstance of uh, the culture today. Yeah. Only takeaway I can get, like, it, and, you know, we should probably get to more news, but the yeah. only only takeaway I've got is th- there's no there's no way to trust. It's not like you can't trust any news or you can't trust any rating or something like that. I mean, I specifically don't suggest trusting the Rotten Tomatoes ratings. The general audience is a little closer, sure, but not the critic rating. You can only do, yeah. like, the only thing I think you can reasonably do with this system is find 
some people or some sources that that you no, normally you agree with their take on it and just seek them out. Like cut out the bullshit aggregate numbers and just like find your people and and see what they think if it's something you care to do. Yeah. Otherwise the only sure thing is to go to the damn movie. <laughs> yeah. Like even the audience scores on on Rotten Tomatoes for Aquaman have diminished to a yeah. 79%. They were in the mid 80s last time I checked. Yeah. And you have things like people complaining like let's see. See, I would reckon uh, though that a score dropping a little bit over say 4 weeks like what we're at right now is probably mm-hmm. standard cuz think about it. If you waited three or four weeks to see this movie, you weren't that excited about it. You walked in, you were, let's face it, slightly pessimistic concerns were probably met because that's what you're going to see. And I'm not saying confirmation bias, but in in some cases, yes, I am saying confirmation bias. But at the very least, you weren't ever really excited about it, so why are you going to leave excited about it? Unless it just really did blow you away. And yeah, you could give it a a worse ranking than you would somebody who went and saw it on Thursday night. Yeah, and I don't don't know how um, Rotten Tomatoes decides which... which Reviews get on the front page before you have to click view all audience reviews. But, like, all of these are pretty negative. Like, even the positive ones are, like, old-fashioned concept of hot machos beating each other with their phallic pointy weapons. (laughs) Any movie. Any movie. Look at the subtext of it, and it's almost any movie, especially over the summer. What about Marley and me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Old-fashioned trope yeah. about thing we love dies. I mean, it's fine. Penises. Yep. But yeah, Aquaman's got a, an A- minus on cinema score. So, I mean, you know. See, that feels more accurate to me. But again, go find your source. Go find the people that you actually trust on this. Yeah, see? Cinema score. Holmes and Watson. D+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say, that feels right to me right now. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. But so far, those it. two numbers track. They track for me. Based on the two trailers I saw. Let's see how much I really yes. trust him. Look up Shaun of the Dead real quick. Oh, okay. Hmm. You're not going to like that result. Mm. B minus. No results. Ah. Well, better to stay silent and be thought an idiot. <laughs> All right. Get some news. Let's get some other stuff. I do, uh, I do hope we didn't just... Uh, bore the shit out of you. I think there was some interesting stuff in there, and uh, if anything, I hope some of the stuff you've been thinking was happening was maybe validated by that. Mm. All right. We've got a bit of a rumor for the Batman. Sure. Um, we got this covered. It is claiming that Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin, is going to be one of the mo- one of the main antagonists in the Batman. And um, does it say what kind of role he'd be playing? Uh, we have heard that Matt Reeves specifically requested that Birds of Prey not use the Penguin. Um, Josh Gad, of course, jumped right on and signed off on Twitter with a tweet that said "Good night" with a K, and uh, a gif of Burgess Meredith as the Penguin. So I continue to be dismayed by the idea of Josh Gad as the Penguin. Yeah, I'm not on board. Uh, I'm also not convinced that he is just not like trolling crazily going after this role. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of people do want him. I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, uh, Nick Frost, which would be fine, or Andy Serkis, which would be probably pretty damn good. Uh, I personally want Mark Shepard. I'll always want Mark Shepard. Badger from Firefly, Crowley from Supernatural, yeah, uh, be great. Jim Sterling on Leverage, Roma Lampkin from Battlestar Galactica. 
Love that guy. Think he'd be a perfect penguin. He was basically penguin as Badger um, on Firefly. Yeah, basically. Um, what do you think of Zach now, Galifianakis? Zach Galifianakis yeah. is the penguin? Hadn't occurred to me, but how's that sit with you? Not well. Not well. If he's got he's got range, I wouldn't be I wouldn't kick it out of bed. I'd take that audition for sure. I'd I'd sit down at that audition. Sure, I would watch the audition, but I don't feel like it's a knock out of the park or right. anything. Like when you say Zach Galifianakis as like you'll you'll penguin, go to the audition, I, but you double parked, expecting to be out of there pretty quickly. Yeah, when you say Galifianakis as penguin. I hear Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. <laughs> I'm excited to see what he does with it, but I don't think he's right for it. It may not go over well. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we'll fantasy cast him some other time. So, yeah. The L.A.J. Basco girl who's playing Cassandra Kane in Birds of Prey has confirmed that they that they had their first day of principal photography. Yeah. Yeah, the, the that's awesome. Uh, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey account on Twitter had already said, "Like, hey, we're filming next week." Mm-hmm. So that that has happened. So, uh, because there's not a lot of news, we're going to jump right over to Gotham. Yeah, it's not wasn't big, <laughs> wasn't big at all. No, uh, Gotham is apparently going to have a full-on Batman episode. Okay, Cameron Monaghan uh, was talking about their inability to use the word Joker, and he says, "For now." That was the case when I talked about it prior. I will say we've been given certain liberties in this final season that we haven't been given before. That's going to make uh, itself pretty apparent as you watch it. All I'll say is when you have an episode that's a full-on Batman episode running around in the future, (laughs) you're going to have characters that you'll expect to see. I don't think it's a spoiler to say at this point that it's 10 years in the future. That's that's been talked about openly. We knew there was going to be a jump at some point. Yeah. That's been talked about openly by the producers and the showrunners. I don't want to say exactly what my role in that is, but it was kick-ass. It's one of the coolest opportunities I've ever had. Um, he also said, in and in, in, uh, he says, it's a very strange and surreal thing, but on a show this is strange and absurd and heightened as Gotham, it makes sense. It's a weird challenge. It's definitely not what I expected going into it, to develop one character for as long as I did and be like, all right, time for a new thing that's also distinct. And then I've had to do that again recently in the final season as well. So, oh, neat. third version? Neat. He says, I won't say how or why, but there's another huge transition for the character, too. It's definitely an extremely unique challenge that's unique to the comic book medium. Very cool. I, 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 I'm i excited about all that. I'm not sure they intended to have Cameron be such a, a part of the series, like such an exciting part of the series. I don't know how that went down as far as like the them talking to him and and him getting hired as like some kid who's maybe a nod to him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they kind of got him in, started looking at it, like started looking at what he could do, and just went, "Dude, this guy's a weapon. We've got to, mm-hmm. we've got to use this." That's the kind of he's the kind of actor that like showrunners change plans for. Exactly, he's he really is that good, and I mean he's backed it up on everything I've ever seen him in. Like I I haven't watched Shameless every episode, but it's one of those where I Shameless is one of those shows where when my wife is watching it and I wander through the living room, that's where I sit for the next forty minutes because I, mm-hmm. I you like you can't turn away. It's it's a really compelling show, and every time yeah, I see like, him, I think oh this is gonna be good, and he never fails me, never. Yeah, he's good. He's really good. Um, and I just feel foolish because I know both of us were geeking out like in the first episode of Gotham, like looking at that comedian on Fish Mooney stage going, oh, is that him? Is that him? Yeah. Ah. 
Yeah, I know. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't him. But good on them for giving <laughs> us a little, little nod. Good on. I mean, would it be would it be would it be funny if he was? Would it be funny if they just went back and like showed that guy and like brought it, somehow he was like behind everything and he was the real Joker? Yeah. <laughs> or like, there's the Ice Chemicals episode and Cameron Monaghan goes into the chemicals and that guy comes out. <laughs> And we're like, oh, that's where I'd have to like pause it and just slow clap for five straight minutes, staring at the screen, not blinking. I don't know, man. I don't, uh, not with that scenario specifically, but <laughs> man, you took a chance here. If it was, if it turned out that like we think that the Joker or the, the Jeremiah or whoever has won, and then there's like just a bullet in his head, and we pan over and it's like the real Joker who's been like gassing these dudes and turning them into like versions of himself and it was that dude right. from the stage right. i would be like holy shit right and then he'd have to he'd have to have a different mo though he'd have to tell you something along the lines like that guy was all about plans i'm all about wrecking him and fucking run off into the distance <laughs> <laughs> how did that laugh go again i don't i think it was like a four inch tall horse <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you heard that sound effect, you'd be like, "Okay, shark jumped and exit." Done watching that right. show. <laughs> <laughs> I almost had, I almost had that moment when the uh, when everyone got stabby after watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the stabby stabby moment was say, like, "Okay, all right, what are we doing here?" Yeah, all right, over to the CW. Uh, they've announced a. Uh, They've announced a premiere date for Legends of Tomorrow's return, and that is April Fool's Day. No kidding. That's actually the date. Just say. Yep. April Fool's Day. They're going to trade slots with Arrow. Um, Arrow's going to be moving to 9 p.m. It's not going away. Right. It's just moving. Um, Jesse L. Martin is coming back to The Flash with episode 15. And uh, Todd Helping even says there's an explanation and then there's another sort of thing down the line that will give more explanation as to why Joe was gone for so long. So they're actually going to write that into the show uh, in some way. But the real reason was because he hurt his back and had to had to leave. Right. Um, Glenn Winter. Good on them, by the way, for going the extra mile and writing that in for us. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to see him come back. I'm happy he's okay. I'm happy the Flash writers have... Some follow through on stuff, man. They yeah. they do. They always seem love- to have your back. You think you see something, and you go, "Wait a second. and and they'll come back. Yeah. One day yeah. they'll explain Deadbolt to me. <laughs> I don't think they ever will. I really, I might, I might just go like, because Twitter will shut you down if you create a fake account. Like they're actually pretty good at getting uh, at getting a fake account if you're just some amateur that doesn't know how to create a fake account. Mm-hmm. It it has occurred to me before to create to like just I mean just stay up all night creating like three hundred fake accounts and go at the because the Flash Rider Room has their own Twitter account and just like right. all of them all at once explain Deadbolt. I don't think it'd happen. I don't think it'd work. They'll say no. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll whisper no. <laughs> <laughs> And that's been your weekly Rorschach reference. Yep. Anyway, yeah, Glenn Winter. Um, <laughs> he's been directing uh, DC TV. He's been doing. He's been doing it since Smallville. He uh, directed the pilot episode of Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Titans, and Doom Patrol. And um, strong. He's going to be directing the Star Girl pilot. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Good resume. Sure. He gets characters. 
<laughs> and this is aggravating, but um, at least I know where I'm going to be throwing my money at some point. There you go. Uh, DC is actually going to be releasing an extended Death and Return of Superman animated movie as a single film. Oh. They're going to take the death of Superman. They're going to take Reign of the Supermen. They're going to shove them together and throw in additional footage. Oh, that was going to be my question. Is, is it, Are they going to cut it so it makes sense or throw in more stuff? Ah, it's... Okay, I got yeah. That's a fuck you take my money. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be uh, coming out later this year. No actual release date yet. Yeah. I mean, you've got to catch up on that universe in general, on the animated we universe do. in general. I think that that's we that's, do. A, that's a going forward something we're gonna be addressing pretty. Mm-hmm. Pretty distinctly. And pretty deliberately. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. That's how that goes. We've got a we've got a lot of listener feedback. Uh, we haven't really done it in a couple months. I tried to be. Uh, sparing with it, I guess. Let it, uh, it's like, it's like you just let the mail pile up at the door. I kind of did, yeah. And but you know, I mean, not really. Uh, we pay if, attention, but we do, we do. And if we if we uh, had a whole big conversation on social media or something, I didn't I didn't really include it here. But um, <laughs> we had a Eli internet. Eli Hernandez responding to me saying that last week's episode was too long to include. Uh, Feedback, which, by the way, it wasn't that really that long. It turned out after editing. It was like an hour. <laughs> I felt bad about that. I was like, oh, well, I promised a really long episode. It's, it's it, I, I do apologize. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still just adjusting, but it was a little long. It was a little long for me in between baby yeah. naps. We're, we're still getting there with, uh, you know, sleep scheduling and stuff. Yeah. So but that's Eli mostly my long. fault, Eli, and I apologize. Yeah. Eli says, those long-ass podcasts entertain me on the long commute to work. Um, DCU fan fam also said, I like the long episodes too. I drive for a living. Your podcast helped me enjoy it. And that's always, that's always really nice yeah, to totally hear. Appreciate that. And I get it too. Like I, I love having like a two hour podcast that I know is going to be like it, the way I listen to them. I, I listen, you know, at my job, I kind of have alone time somewhere between five minutes at a time and maybe like 45 seconds at a time. So mm-hmm. that two hour podcast could be my entire day. But I, I do love that, like following one story the entire day. Yeah. Totally get it. I appreciate that, though. Randy at S, uh, Randy SF45 on Twitter says, Friendly suggestion. Take a few minutes to recommend some reading material slash storylines related to upcoming movies or television shows. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've ever heard an actual friendly suggestion that started with the phrase friendly suggestion. <laughs> I, like that's I get always what, you're what going like for. I have what uh, it's always what a hitman says when he's bringing a message to someone who screwed over the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like friendly suggestion. I recommend the urn for your pet, not actual burial. It's kind of messy, you know that kind of thing. Right. Um, <laughs> you want to go with um, those are mobile services I'm, now. By the way, it's freaky. Yeah. I, I I'm actually gonna take him at his word here. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this was an actual friendly. No, I suggestion. read that. That felt friendly. I'm, I I didn't feel okay. No, um, <laughs> no one was, was coming at us, bro. Not none of that. Um, but yeah, I think I I might be wrong. I thought we already did that. I think we do sometimes. But I also don't feel like it's necessarily like I feel like that is a recipe, uh, for disaster. Why? Because when you, Here's why. Um, you had said because when before you say I like, said why. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's that's what happened. Yeah, that's what that's, I was laughing. That, that was my. But yeah, 
assess you. Yeah, yeah, that's how I. That was your contribution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was how I assess what just happened as well. Sorry. Here's why. You say, like, oh, well, look at that. The news says that The Flash, the first episode of The Flash, is going to be called Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. So I recommend you go out and read the Flashpoint story that they did on DC or uh, did, you know, in the DC comics. And then people go out and they read that. And then they come back and they go, it was nothing like that, which is what <laughs> happened on Twitter. It, it is what, what happens on Twitter. And, and and Facebook. Like, it is what happens on Twitter. A but, but I think that's a small percentage. I think the, 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 the people who enjoy watching the shows but don't really enjoy uh, reading or don't feel like investing the money in actually reading. Um, which, by the way, comicsology, comicsology, uh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. just picked up DC Comics too. Like that's that's going to be something that helps a lot of people. If you want to get into comics and read them, yeah. that's going to be a cheap way to get in. Comicsology's got a lot of stuff now. Absolutely, and also do yourself if you're an Amazon Prime member, just go ahead and download the Kindle app because you know you never know. Like I, um, it'll pop on and off there, so, but yeah, you can find stuff there. Yeah, I I got a notification this week that I could read uh, Tom King's Batman Volume One. Totally worth it. Uh, the, the the I Am Gotham storyline, and I and I could read it for free. So I totally went over there and read that. <laughs> yeah. Now I didn't care for it. You're not the biggest Tom King fan right now. Yeah, I I read it and I just it just didn't it didn't appeal to didn't me resonate. really. It wasn't it, there were several things that just kind of like it was just a boring storyline for me. Like I liked a lot of the character characterizations. Um, I feel bad because I follow Tom King on Twitter. I like him. <laughs> just didn't like the story part. It's okay. He's got a hundred like issue uh, run planned that that was part one of. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be plenty of time to like what he does with the story. If, if you like the characterization, it's a good start. Yeah. I think that's one foot out of two, to be honest. I mean, do, do you right. like how he presents the characters? Yes. Do you like the story? No. If that was two for two, <laughs> you're hundred percent a Tom King writing Batman fan. Right. Um, so, um, but yeah. also like um, if, if you are the kind of person who doesn't, uh, either willfully doesn't or can't doesn't read the actual books. Yeah, I mean, if we tell you about the books, then maybe that's a checklist in your mind, and maybe one day you go read it, and when you either can or want to, and and you enjoy it or you don't, whatever. Yeah, there's a percentage and, you know, though in the middle that will maybe go actually read it, not like it, and complain about it. But otherwise, I think a lot of people that are involved in it and read stuff, when you hear about something new, you kind of go, "Oh crap, I didn't know about that," and maybe actually. You enjoy the process of mm-hmm. reading it, mm-hmm. so I, I think that's going to be like the one of those loud minority things, right? Uh, but uh, as for as for Randy and his suggestion, it's a fine suggestion. I just thought we were already doing that kind of, but kind of. Um, but I I got to give him this. Like, yeah. Sometimes I think we take it for granted that people have read what we've read. Yeah, I think so for sure. That's probably true. I mean, even then yeah. we just did a re- we just did a Rorschach reference five minutes ago and and didn't mention the <laughs> word Watchmen. You know? Yeah. Go read Watchmen. Go read Watchmen. That should not. That should never be a question. Just go read Watchmen. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they're doing uh, in other mediums. Now, uh, I did read this feedback though before last week, and I made sure to drop a couple of recommendations in that episode. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's really obvious. Like if they're like they're making Batman a Long Halloween, go read that. I mean, they're not only go making read it, that. but they're taking from it to do the show Gotham. They're like they're taking points from that. They're also taking a huge amount of uh, the concept of no man's land, which is that's yeah. an omnibus almost like that's a lot. Right. But and anywhere you honest, dig into that is pretty interesting. See, I disagree. 
You didn't like I it? Can't, in good, I cannot in good conscience recommend No Man's Land. I thought it was mostly boring as shit. Mm. Like, I liked elements that were really cool, but it just went on too much. It went on too long. Maybe it did go on for a while. Um, it has one it hell was of a like climax, the Batman. It was like the Batman clone saga Yeah, right. for me. Like this, You know Spider-Man clone saga from the 90s? No. Oh, God. It was a whole thing where, like... <laughs> I don't, I don't in general had, like Clone Sagas, so this is probably going to... Yeah, it was... <laughs> it was a thing that where they were like, okay, we have like a four or five issue arc, and then they wound up... It was a popular thing, so Marvel was like, keep doing that, kid. And they wound up making it like years long, it felt like. It may have even actually been years long, uh, where it was like, oh, well, you're not the real Peter Parker, you're Ben Riley and... You're a clone, and who? Which one is the clone? And and they have in recent years apparently gone back, and I don't actually know about this. I just heard Brent actually talk about this, um, how they actually came. Brent from Fans Without Borders, sorry, references. Mm-hmm. God, sorry, Randy. Citations, um, citations. Damn it. Uh, cite your references. Mm-hmm. Brent from Fans Without Borders was just telling Ray about this, how they just came back and. Or maybe he wasn't. Maybe I read, I was listening to an old episode. That's possible too. But he was talking about how they came out with a condensed version that was really the original like idea and the original intention of the creators, pretty much, mm-hmm. without like the three years worth of bullshit that Marvel had them shoehorn in. Because the sales were up, and they're like, "Man, just right. keep going. Right. I, I don't care. When these mm-hmm. sales go down, we'll tell you to wrap it up." But that's how it works. So anyway. It really is. I mean. And think about this. Every now and then, when you hate something like that, think about this. If they were making enough money that they told them, hey, continue this storyline that really doesn't have enough gas in it, there's probably at least one property that you loved that got to continue because they had that money. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, as far as No Man's Land is considered, uh, or whatever, concerned, I know there's a lot of people out there that like it. I love elements of it. I really do. My favorite thing out of that entire saga is... uh, Sarah Essen coming upon the Joker with all of those babies. Ah, dude, that's that's a big moment. It's a big moment in DC history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It like it, that, it defines oh my gosh. some of the it, it gives you some of the edges of some of those characters in a in a huge way. But again, it's one of those things that like it's a huge thing. Dig into it a little bit. Maybe do what mm-hmm. Dave's saying and just kinda find a summary of it at least, and you'll probably enjoy that. Find a summary, maybe, you know, uh <laughs> see you know what we should do? Is we should just offer like a recommendation portion on our website, just a page on our website <laughs> that has like a reading list. We we could, but we just honestly, if you pulled it out, we usually recommend all the same things when people ask us because yeah, we have I our mean, favorites. Yeah, we do. We do. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'll try to be better about that, man. I'm sorry. Um, Definitely, if it crosses if it crosses our mind, if there's something we can think of, we'll we'll uh, be more exposition. Uh, do use more exposition on that. I actually say the title of "Hey, you should check this out." Yeah, but I'm so woefully behind that anything after the new Fifty Two, I'm probably gonna be just really behind on. So, like, say like, oh yeah, we're gonna go see Aquaman. If you want to, you know, read a comic, you should read blah 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 from the new Fifty Two. Uh, I'm. I'm, I, I can like look around and find that, but from self experience, I can't recommend a lot. Yeah, like I've like wandered into bookstores and read pieces of it. Yeah, I mean, look, there's 80 years of this company, and and it's com- and the companies that were there right before it bought into them and stuff like. There, mm-hmm. There's 80 years of history and, and some change. 
You're much more caught up than I am we, on a lot of things. On the the newer stuff, I I actually am right now on the the stuff that's like current. But dude, it's eighty years worth of stuff. We're not gonna misrepresent ourselves if we haven't read enough about something. We're not gonna say it. So yeah. But if we've read something, we're blown away. Hell yeah, we'll tell you. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, Mal- Matthew Salvatore says, "What do you think the next DCEU film will be to go into production? Flash or the Batman?" He said this on January 6th, so I will answer him, uh, Birds of Prey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is for sure the easy answer. That is the easiest and most accurate answer, I, I, Birds of Prey. I think the other answer I want to use right now is the Batman. <laughs> I think that one's the closest to getting a trigger pulled. Yeah, uh, uh, the, there are reports that say November. I mean, and you know, reports are what they are, you just have to... Dude, a lot of the stuff that we cover, a lot of stuff that gets in a headline is like reading tea leaves, dude. <laughs> Just tarot card bullshit. And, and if you ask me, tea leaves, tarot card, whatever, uh, my guess is the Batman. Right. The last time I tried to figure out, um, based on reports, the, the last time I tried to figure out what was going into production next, I found out I was going to have a profitable month, but I was going to have cancer. Right. So it was, yeah. it was a little off-putting. Yeah. There was definitely some some good and bad. And you that. turned over your palm and found lucky numbers. Yeah. <laughs> that you that were never All there right. before. Yeah. I have a vague um, taste we... of sugar in my mouth and my teeth hurt. Mm. <laughs> God help us. We're both on diets right now. We don't know what sugar tastes like anymore. Oh, I do. I work it in. You did. You managed to. Yeah. You you carved oh, out yeah. some time. I I it's milk. I carved out. I carved out room for milk. Yeah. All right, so Michael Kennedy in our Facebook group, which I haven't told you guys about in a long time, so there's that. I'll put a link in the in the show notes if you want to come join our Facebook group. Uh, Michael Kennedy responded to us because we didn't know where we were going to find Epics and watch Pennyworth. He says, if you have one of the unlimited data plans from AT&T, you can get access to HBO for no extra charge. If you have Spectrum, you can access Epics for no extra charge. I am not a Superman fan. However, Red Sun is the most amazing Superman comic in general and I that I, I've ever read. That was a recommendation, recommendation we gave. Yeah, we did specifically cite that. Take that, Randy. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sorry. In all fairness, it was under the headline of, they're thinking about a Red Sun thing. Yeah, they're making a Red Sun thing. You should go read that, Red Sun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, I thought the whole time I was wasting my time reading it until the end. Wow, that is... How do you get that? I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with you. I don't. Um. I. I did enjoy the whole thing. Like I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Um. I, I really enjoyed that one. But like straight through. He says, uh, "Ending is where it's at. So don't skip ahead. Read it, then reread it." I do get. The, yeah. Like the ending is better than the rest of it in the sense that it is fucking uh, groundbreaking. But I mean, I, I enjoyed the first part too. So that's the only part I disagree with. Yeah. He did say we uh, we had a show. He told us, great show, guys. Uh, congratulations, Jason, I, I suppose, on your baby. Uh, possibly. Are we congratulating people for I have for no other accolades them? of which I can speak at the moment. <laughs> I'm just also, kidding. and a lot of dads will understand this, I don't matter anymore. Oh. I just don't. No one no one has did asked you... after me in, in quite some time. Hmm. It, it, it's it's a thing. It's, a, it's, you know, it's fine. I get I get where I am in the... Uh, the hierarchy. In the, yeah, I get it. I, I totally get it. And I agree with it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of funny to sit there and watch and be like, wow, no one cares about me at all anymore. Yeah, I think a My lot of... My parents will ask, like, how's the kid? Yeah. How's, how's Christian holding up? 
She okay? Yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, it's like uh, your wife is going to be like, "Well, now I have two kids, and that one can walk and feed himself." No, that's the fact though. Like, I can break an arm, <laughs> and I swear, a lot of people's first thought would be like, oh, "That's going to be a lot of pressure on Christian. That's going to be a lot yeah. of pressure on her." Yeah, you break your arm, and someone's like, "You weren't holding the baby, were you?" Right. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Good. So the baby's fine. Yeah. The baby's fine. I was just I fell and broke my arm. I can hold the ten and a half pound object. I just fell and now I'm broken and they're already looking at my wife and my daughter to make sure they're okay and can adjust to the new situation. Right. I'm genuinely not <laughs> complaining. I get it. It's just kind of funny to think about. Yeah. But that's okay, man. I You matter to me. I'll take care of myself. It'll be all right. I, I if we were on, if we were on a sinking ship, I would push your wife and child out of the way to make sure you got to a lifeboat. You know, I would be both disappointed and proud at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, he does. He loves me, and I respect that. That's a, that is a ride or die motherfucker right there. But I kind of <laughs> wish he'd made a different choice. <laughs> To be fair, I would also stay on the sinking ship to make sure your wife and child got in the boat with you. See, that's ride or die. That's a mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of guy you want at your side. We should host a podcast together. <laughs> One day. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Michael Kennedy says, "Jason, it gets easier until they are four. and he found that really funny for some reason. It sounds like he has some sort of experience. I, I it, it read to me as slightly maniacal, like that's when she broke him. All right. <laughs> the other funny part is I've heard every single number I mean up into the like 20s yeah I've heard every single number is like oh it's you know it's okay till blah 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 it's okay till X it's okay till X it's okay I... mm-hmm. it's it's all a matter of personal experience you alone will have to find out when your child betrays you <laughs> It all depends on when you wean them from everything and make them be self-deficient, uh, self-efficient. Sorry, I was thinking oh, about my college years. Right, right, right. Fun times. <laughs> I was mostly self-deficient in those years. <laughs> it, it, or when they just decide they don't need you anymore. That could be at 8, 12. Yeah, that's right. 22, who knows. Mm-hmm, yeah. My parents are still, you know, wondering when I will decide I don't need them. Yeah, right, right. Like calling up. What's the catalytic converter again? Don't you have Google? Yeah. I don't know how to work Google. Um. <laughs> well, you go to the internet and you ask it something and you've Googled it. It's that simple. Mm. I'm just kidding. My parents don't know what Google is. There you go. Um. Now we're back. All right. We got, yeah, we got some, uh, some voicemails here. Uh, first one is from wobblyboots85, our good friend Nathan. It's from November. Sorry we haven't gotten to that. It's from November 12th. Congratulations. I just wanted to call to say congratulations. I, I'm, I'm glad everything went good. Uh, man, congratulations. Dave, sorry to hear about the beaters, but you got this. You'll figure it out. Uh, love you guys. Look forward to the next episode. This is Wobbly Boots 85. Love you guys. See you later. Wobbly Boots, man. We love you too, man. Love you. Thank you for, for having faith that I'm going to beat the beaters. It really does help on that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah. Also, the uh, I, I, that was one excitable congratulations, and I do appreciate it. It was. It made me feel warm inside. Mm-hmm. By the way, you know, I've like lost 40 pounds now. You have? Yeah. Damn, buddy. Good job. Thanks. Am I going to recognize from, you if you, you know, 
turn sideways in the wind. I'm still ugly. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, the tall, ugly guy. Yeah, that's my boy. All right. Yeah. I got him. <laughs> All right. Uh, now we've got a, a voice. Uh, all the rest of this is Jordan Valdez. And um, <laughs> he goes, he goes well, for it. Yeah. He goes for it. Like, yeah. So Jordan Valdez uh, from December 15th. Hello, DC on screen. This is Bat Jordan Valdez calling in uh, with a few thoughts uh, from things from your last episode that I wanted to talk about. Uh, first of all, uh, I believe Dave is watching Aquaman right now as I'm recording this, which makes me super jealous. Uh, but uh, Dave, I hope you are enjoying it uh, so much. And uh, I had a little bit of a consolation prize because uh, I had just finished going to Burger King and getting some Aquaman toys. Uh, I've got four of them now. Uh, but uh, uh, certainly, uh, I wish I were in the theater uh, as well. Uh, I've still got five more days before my Thursday, December 20th uh, screening that I'm so excited about. But uh, anyway, I uh, hope you're enjoying it, Dave, uh, despite my jealousy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what I want to talk about regarding your latest episode was first regarding the Blue Beetle movie. Uh, one thing that I think you, were, you guys are talking about, you know, if Ted Cord were in it too, in addition to Jaime, that would be really cool. Uh, I think it would be really cool if they tried it into the Ted Cord uh, Blue, uh, Blue Beetle slash Booster Gold movie that's also in development right now uh, and sort of, you know, whichever one comes first, they could either have at the end of the uh, Ted Cord uh, Blue Beetle slash Booster Gold movie if they had uh, Jaime getting the scarab or uh, they could do uh, the Jaime Reyes movie first and have Ted Cord in it as a supporting mentor character and then have the uh, his movie uh, with Booster Gold uh, done as a prequel to that uh, or something. Uh, I, 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 could, I could envision something like that. So I think that would be really cool. Uh, but in any case, I'm very excited about uh, both those films, actually. Uh, so, yeah, I can't wait uh, to see how those develop. Uh, but the other thing I want to talk about is you mentioned in the last episode that uh, Christopher James Baker, who just got cast on Stargirl, that you weren't familiar with him. Actually, you are familiar with him, even if you don't realize it. He was actually in uh, one of my favorite Gotham episodes, actually, Spirit of the Goat, uh absolutely fantastic bullock focused episode from back in season one uh one of the episodes that really emphasizes one of the things i love most about season one of gotham which was all the police procedural stuff with the gcpd and uh anyway uh but 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 yeah some absolutely fantastic stuff with bullock in that episode that i just yeah i love it so uh anyway i can't wait to see what he brings to star girl another example of dc's fantastic legacy casting across the board uh but yeah i guess that's gonna do it for me uh uh, on this voicemail, uh, Batcat Forever from the first kiss to the last. I will talk to y'all later. Bye bye. You know, it's funny when I was on the way to the theater to go see Aquaman. Jordan called, and the phone was in my pocket, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was someone calling for DC on screen. Mm-hmm. So I answered it, and he was like, "Holy crap!" And so we <laughs> talked like the entire. I got it was like a twenty minute drive, and when, nice. <laughs> or whatever it was, and because I, I was. That that day, that was uh, my little sister's graduation, my youngest sister's college yeah, graduation. Yeah, you like shuffled back from Montgomery on zero hours sleep and managed mm-hmm. to make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, Jordan actually did did me a huge favor by talking to me for like twenty Keeping minutes. You the I was hell awake. I was trying to stay awake. Right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we we talked a lot about Tom King and a lot about Aquaman. I was. I am a little jealous of the Aquaman toys from Burger King. I was not aware of those. Um, 
I don't keep up with that specifically. And uh, I don't, but uh, it's, it's immediately like if I went to Burger King and they had uh, like a Aquaman toy set, I, I could see myself like getting it and being like, I'll, I'll get these today for later. Oh, yeah. I'm not above it, dude. I've got yeah. Beware the Batman toys. I, I specifically, when we lived together, I was specifically driving down the street to our McDonald's and to just buying yeah. the toys. I get you. I've still so. got, uh, you know, uh, Happy Meal toys from my childhood that were like the original 89 and the Batman Returns toys in storage right now. Yeah. Still I've got, got a couple of those. I've got a little got a little penguin cart can shoot a little umbrella. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, so the Blue Beetle movie, you know, there is a, a rumor out there, and I didn't consider it big enough to throw into the news, but also knew that we were going to be talking about it here. Um, I would, you know, I would love to see the Berlanti Booster Gold movie. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like, but, you know, I, they, I know that they're doing this Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle. I would love to see Ted Cord. We don't, we haven't heard about the, the Berlanti stuff in a long time. Um, what I think would be cool is if they did both. Like, if they did, like, make the Berlani thing into the DCEU and did Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, and, uh, and Booster, and then just did the Jaime Reyes as well, or what would be cool is if they did a little bit of both, if they did, like, a DCEU movie with Blue Beetle, and then a DCEU movie that had Booster Gold, and it was primarily the same story, or two facets of the same story, one of them from the perspective of Booster Gold, one of them from the perspective of Blue Beetle. That would be a lot of fun. Um, and have them go on different adventures, but their actions I'm in their own separate adventures. You and Jordan, I haven't heard a version of this I wouldn't watch yet. Right? You can have so much fun <laughs> with those characters. I, I, There's no version of this that I would object to yet. Yeah, like you could have them go on their own separate adventures but and interacting throughout, and even but also different versions of Blue Beetle. All of them, fine, great, yeah. go, go, yeah. go, make that movie. Like it, it bothers me. It's one of the things that really bothers me about the Arrowverse is having seen all those damn Cord Industries boxes and never. There's no payoff yet. <laughs> Pisses me off. Like I, I need something. Like clearly they wanted to and that they haven't done it. And it, yeah, originally like Ray Palmer, you know Brandon Routh was maybe scheduled to be him, and then it became. Uh, the Atom, and and that was fine. He's he's great as the Atom, but there was clearly something happening at the Warner Brothers level for a long mm-hmm. time now, and I need a payoff for that. I really do. Give me blue and gold, yeah. man. Some capacity. Yeah. Honestly, either of them, I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that, when X Men starts happening in the MCU, I kind of hope they do like X Men Blue Team, X Men Gold Team. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I always like that concept from the from the comics. Anyway, I'll take that. Blue and gold just made me think of it. Yeah. The Christian James Baker thing. Yeah, I had forgotten about that, but you know what? I loved that episode. Spirit of the Goat was a fantastic episode. It was. And it as really much was. as I as much as I love serialized storytelling, I think I liked Gotham the most when it was a police procedural. No, I'm not sure. No, I, I enjoy it more this way. <laughs> but like I like I, the, I, I like the serialization, but uh, I like the I fact that they've like gone from one to the other. That part really, it really makes me happy. Yeah, I liked the idea of the serialization of Gotham to be like the the B story almost, and like the A story is the. But you know what? Uh, I complain that Lucifer does exactly what I wish. I'm saying I wish Gotham did. So they do it at a much slower pace. Mm Hmm. I don't want it as slow as as Lucifer, but I did enjoy just 
taking in how the Gotham City Police Department was working. I think that was a uh, really important footprint. I, I but I, I yeah. do enjoy how it's paid off. I um I I I, it just I can, got, I can it appreciate got so how, wacky so quick. It did, but in a way that I think based on what I'm seeing about this last season and the fact mm-hmm. that they're able to plan their last season, that is so important. I wish every show got to do that. Mm-hmm. I I think we're gonna look back on the show and be like, man, that's that's required reading, you know? I think it's, right uh... now. It it does. It really does depend mm. on the last season. Like you can tank a thing. I mean, I, I will never forgive the Sopranos for that last episode. I know. We, you, there there are Smallville epi- Smallville fans who who will never forgive that last episode of Smallville, and I'm like, it was good. It was fine. Like it wasn't like the drawn out fight you wanted to see with with Dark Side, but that wasn't the point. No, the point was that final scene with Lex, man. Yeah. Spoilers for people who haven't seen Smallville. I just he, realized my wife he, is one of those. <laughs> he came back and made that thing meaningful, meaningful in a way that yeah. it paid off for a character that <laughs> you hadn't seen in a while. And it did stay true to the concept that the, the show always had the no flight, no tight. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was, I mean, that was in the writer's room probably. Like just that little, a little plaque. Right. It stayed true to itself and it actually paid off in a way that, that I appreciated. And don't, don't get me wrong, man. Smallville takes a while to get there sometimes. Like there's, a percentage of that show where you're just watching and thinking like, well, this is fine, but what are we doing? Yeah. Same with Gotham. I, I, There's I, a percent yeah. of the time where you're watching going like, well, this is fine, but I, I think mm-hmm. overall we're going to appreciate the payoff. Just about right so. now. I think so. There are big, uh, there are huge swaths of that show that I have enjoyed immensely, even in the worst of times. Yeah. So I will consider it worth it anyway. I think so. I, I just would right. resent a bad conclusion at this point, which is not a groundbreaking viewpoint. No, it's not. What's next? <laughs> That's okay. This is not a groundbreaking show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That, that, just like I, I heard that, and all I heard in my head was that bit from The Simpsons where uh, President Clinton shows up and tells Lisa if she complains about something enough, she'll get her way. And Marge goes, well, that's a pretty crappy lesson to teach a kid. And Bill goes, hey, I'm a pretty crappy president. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Simpsons. (laughs) They're fantastic. All righty. So Jordan Valdez voicemail from December 21st. Hey, DC on screen. This is Bat Jordan Valdez calling in uh, about after listening to your Aquaman review. Uh, I'm recording this on Friday night, December 21st. I went to go see it uh, Thursday evening, uh, 5 p.m. That was the earliest I could see it. I don't have Amazon Prime, so I know I was so jealous of you, Dave. Uh, I was talking to you before, right before you went and went and saw it, but uh, now I don't have to be jealous anymore. Uh, and I have to say it was absolutely worth the wait because I love this film too. Um, it just oozes Jason Moe's Aquaman personality from start to finish, and I love that. Uh, I love him as Aquaman, and uh, he's just wildly entertaining throughout the film. Uh, the action, I mean, right from the start, you get first the Atlanta action sequence, and uh, then you get uh, the one on the submarine, and it's just like all of it just blew me away. But for me, uh, for me, the standout sequence of the film is the Sicily sequence, which I don't know. I'm curious to hear uh, you guys' take on this. I sort of see it as an inverse 
of the No Man's Land sequence from Wonder Woman, where with the Sicily sequence, first you get this sort of quiet scene in Sicily, it's peaceful, and it's really the scene where you see uh, Arthur and Mara start to sort of bond, and Mara start to appreciate uh, the surface world more and see the beauty in the surface world, uh, and uh, then it leads into the huge, uh, the huge action sequence with Black Mana, and I gotta say, uh, Black Mana in this film, I, I love Patrick Wilson as Ocean Master, but Black Mana in terms of the villain steals the show for me. It, it sort of reminds me of the 2011 Green Lantern film, where I loved Hector Hammond and Parallax in that movie, but Sinestro uh, was the standout for me in that film, and uh, it made me think that a sequel was going to be even better with him as the villain, and so I get the same feeling from Aquaman. I loved Aquaman, but it's like, I think about a sequel with Black Man as the main villain, which is, looks like is what they're setting up, and I just uh, like, the possibilities are endless for how uh, just even more fantastic that would be. Like, I just I just can't even, but this movie, wow, that's Sicily sequence, but, but anyway, go Going back to what I was saying, it's sort of the inverse of No Man's Land sequence. No Man's Land sequence starts out with the big action sequence and then moves into that peaceful uh, scene with Diana and Steve uh, in that town. Uh, and Diana seeing snow for the first time, uh, seeing a different uh, side of uh, the world away from Themyscira. So sort of see a similar parallel with uh, the Sicily sequence in Aquaman. But i got to say, the visuals of this film are just awe-inspiring. Like, I feel like that's one thing about the entire DCU, uh, just... All the films are just visually breathtaking, and that's certainly the case here with Aquaman, with all the underwater creatures, all the underwater stuff. It is unbelievable. So, yeah, I love this film. Cannot wait to see it again. Bat Cat forever from the first kiss to the last. I'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. All right, Jordan. Man, I'm glad you enjoyed Aquaman. We yeah. enjoyed it quite a bit as well. Obviously, if you go back and listen to the review, I know you did because you say you did. Uh, you want to know about our opinions uh, about the Sicily sequence and whether or not it was the inverse of No Man's Land? I hadn't thought about it, but I can totally see it. Yeah, I don't problem with that. I I thought it was a it was a perfectly uh I mean it was it was it was a great scene to get Mira on the side of the uh, the surface dwellers mm-hmm. and um yeah I can see it uh, I can I think see there's the inverse a, there. That's, there's a moment in a lot of uh, comic book movies where somebody with superpowers has mm-hmm. to identify with the people they're protecting. Right. And it doesn't happen, like, it, and it's different. Like, somebody without them, you, you already kind of see that in the character. You already know, like, that's one of us. But yeah. somebody without them, there, there does have to be a moment where you, you tie them well, into I, your genealogy. You know? I, I don't necessarily think that it's even about superpowers. I think in any real story who, like, by hook or by crook, there's got to be a relatability factor between the protagonist and the people that person is protecting. Uh, that was one of the big downfalls of Star Trek Generations, for instance, or Kirk, you know, sacrifices himself on Viridian 3, but we never actually, as an audience, meet the people he's protecting. And he never met the people he's protecting. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think that does rob the, that sequence of of, uh, that's, of gravitas. That's five minutes of film you'd probably have really appreciated. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't this, take uh, much. It does not take much. You like you present a people and a city, and you you have like a small child say something cute, and you're done. Right, and that you know, or you look at something that happens all like, the time. You look, you look at something like the Die Hard movies, and you say, well, he doesn't really interact with a whole lot of people there. But I said by hook or by crook, you mm-hmm. have John McClane, who it, yes, he is he's hard to kill. Yeah. But aside from That's that, a superpower. He he presents as the everyman. Yeah, yeah. So. I think there, there there's Yari a lot Yana's to say team, for the, you know yeah there's a lot to say for like yes she's got to come to that point point. Uh, and they did it beautifully here in in Aquaman um, 
they may have, you know, just for a minute forgotten they weren't national treasure with their little puzzle. <laughs> but it was fine. It was I, I enjoyed that part of the movie. At no point was I like, well, we could have cut this. I, I, I really enjoyed that part of the movie. It was character building because of their relationship. Yeah, like, like the yeah, point they, isn't they that they other. went on a little mission together. The point was that they learned something about each other. That was it. Right. They they and they needed each other to succeed. Yeah. Like they saw that the value important. in each other. It's that's a huge part of any successful relationship. Period. Absolutely. And I'm I'm on board. I loved Black Manta. Uh, I I did enjoy Orm. I actually did enjoy Orm quite a bit. Oh yeah, he's. I think he's, I like them equally. He's fantastic, and he's a great arc. And I really hope we see him again in some kind of hero role. Like I, I think they laid the groundwork for Patrick Wilson to come back and be someone that we're rooting for. Mm-hmm. And that maybe he still has his same values. Like he was still fighting for, you know, like he, he had an ecological mindset mindset when he was doing this. So that's something you can like include in the next movie is him being yeah. uh, very earth minded overall and mm-hmm. still make him a hero. And, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. Also, like the first thing he I would do in a sequel, in that role. <laughs> it was just fun oh, to watch absolutely. it. Uh, the first thing I would ha- have in a sequel would be Aquaman at, in the brig talking to Orm and telling him about something awesome he did. Just to, as a callback to Brave and the Bold. Yeah, that would be fine. This, <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> which, if you want a, ref- a recommendation, Randy, there's there's a recommendation. Yeah, Go watch Brave and the Bold. Tear that the we, hell up. It's, it's, we literally have Aquaman sitting down there with a big book of, of stories of his, that he, of his adventures, fables, yeah. reading them to his brother. And verily, it's it fantastic. Amazing. It's outrageous adventure. Also, um, if I had told you that, <laughs> it, seriously, if I had told you that there was going to be a film, an Aquaman film that had a Black Manta in it, uh-huh. first of all, you'd have thought, I don't know how that's going to work. And second, if I told you it's going to be a very realistic looking costume, I mean, super realistic, like the comic accurate, mm-hmm. hardcore comic accurate, y- your first thought might have been, uh, why are you doing this to me? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but so help me. That is a super accurate version of him. And it they made it work. Yeah. And they did. They made him a believable baddie that I, I, I get his backstory. And, 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 you know, in the next installment, I'm, I'm going to get why he's who he is. And I'm, it's going to flesh out that story. And it's going to give a lot to it. Uh, it's, it's, they, God, they've set up a sequel so well. There's yeah. so much more they can do in the next time. Yeah, and but well, like what I was saying though is like first thing I would do is make that joke that references Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Second sure. thing I do though is definitely have uh, Arthur coming to Orm for uh, for guidance, even if it's a well, I, you wouldn't do that, so I'm going to do the opposite of that kind of thing. Because no, like uh, uh, again, theme of this, this episode a little bit, but like Thor goes to Loki at times. And like, all right, what what's going on here? Yeah. What's the clever move? Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is what they're really doing. Okay, thanks. And Arthur's never been king before. Like, as far as I can tell, it doesn't even seem like he's been able to hold down a job. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> <but> <laughs> they didn't dive into that. I, I don't... No pun intended. Yeah. I don't know if you have to. I, they didn't explore his SES uh, for <laughs> for the <laughs> what preceded this film, but... It will. It'll be a cool dynamic going forward. It. It. They left a lot on the table there, and God, I'm. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hungry for it. I. I. I want more. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, let's get to this next one. Uh, the Jordan Valdez voicemail from December twenty second. 
Hey, DC on screen. This is Bad Jordan Valdez calling in in response to your Elseworlds review. Wanted to talk about how much I adored this crossover. It is my favorite of the Arrowverse crossovers so far, and that's really saying something uh, for me anyway because I've loved them all. Uh, so I, yeah, I was blown away by this crossover. Uh, the biggest thing for me was going to Gotham City and meeting Batwoman. I loved all of that. That, that. that was the highlight of the crossover for me. So the Arrow episode was, was definitely my favorite of the three, uh, episodes of the crossover. But I loved all of that. Uh, love, uh, what we've seen so far of Ruby Rose as Batwoman. I, for one, uh, cannot wait, uh, for her own series and really hope it gets picked up. Loved all the Easter eggs throughout it. Uh, seeing, uh, different cells of Batman's Rose Gallery, uh, seeing Nora Freeze and seeing Psycho Pirate. Uh, I understand wanting to see more of Psycho Pirate, uh, but uh, they're clearly setting him up uh, for to have a much bigger role, of course, in Christ on Infinite Earth, uh, which makes sense. So I can't wait to see him uh, in next year's crossover as well. love how they set that up in this year's crossover. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait for that. Uh, Psycho Pirate's a character that I really came to really love, thanks to what Tom King has done with him uh, recently in his run. But uh, yeah, I love seeing him in live action. Uh, I love teasing a little bit of World's Finest team up between uh, uh, Batwoman and Supergirl. I've always loved Supergirl and Batgirl's uh, friendship. Uh, going all the way back to probably when I saw uh, the new Batman Adventures episode, Girls Night Out as a kid, and that's probably where I first really came to love that relationship, uh, that friendship. Uh, so I would love to see him do a similar thing with uh, Batwoman and Supergirl in the Arrowverse. So I love that. Uh, love finally getting uh, Amazo paid off. You know, back in Season 2 of Arrow, we had the Amazo, we met Ivo, but here we actually get the Amazo android. And uh, wow, what a fight sequence that was. Uh, love seeing Barry and uh, Oliver swapped. Uh, for me, like, I, I, like, they took inspiration from the concept of Elseworlds with this, where it's the concept of what if so-and-so was different, and even though uh, we didn't actually go to Earth where that was the case, to, to, to different Earths where that was the case, uh, within Earth-1, they, they took it, they honored the concept of Elseworlds, of the Elseworlds idea from the comics, and they just gave a twist on it, and I love when they do stuff like that, because as fans, uh, it keeps us on our toes, because uh, it makes it so that we don't always know what to expect, uh, uh, even if we're very familiar with the source material, so I love that uh, sort of twist and the way they did it and some hilarious scenes like the one uh, where Barry got some payback on Ollie from shooting him before. So, uh, yeah, absolutely adored this crossover. Back cat forever from the first kiss to the last. Bye-bye. All right, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I have a whole lot to say about this. Uh, I think I said most of what I had to say in our Elseworlds review. I, you know, I, I didn't love their portrayal of Psycho Pirate. I didn't see a reason for Nora Freeze, uh, at all in this story. <laughs> um, but I do love uh, Supergirl and Batgirl. I'm interested to see how that might play out with uh, Batwoman and Supergirl. Yeah. I I understand they took inspiration from Elseworlds, but um, I felt like it was a little clickbaity. I felt like they were they were promising me something they had no intention of, uh, of giving. So while I enjoyed it, I was a little let down. Well, you just felt a little betrayed by the word. Yeah, I felt betrayed by the word because it was like, you know, uh, Earth 1, about two seconds of Earth 38, and, you know, the flash from Earth 90 for about two minutes. Right. Like, <laughs> and a screwed up version of Earth 1. I mean, I, I get it, but I also feel like they may have bookended those uh, expectations with Crisis on Infinite Earths coming up, you know? Yeah, yeah, which... 
But when you give me something called Elseworlds that isn't Elseworlds, and then you're like, hey, look, Crisis on Infinite Earths, I'm going to be like, hmm, is it though? Well, they're, those are two different concepts in actual comics, you know? Yeah, I know. I get that. I know. I get it. But I really did enjoy the crossover. I, I, yeah, I did too. We, we, we obviously did an episode about this. Like we, we, we enjoyed the crossover. We enjoyed Gotham in general. It was, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. The one thing he brings up that I wish I could speak to more better is I like, I love psycho pirates involvement in the DCU as like a, as an overall concept because he's, he is kind of, he's huge in a way that like, he's, He's a small guy with a small set of powers, and yet he is so freaking influential. Uh, influential, damn it. Because mm-hmm. of what he can do and how he's used. And it, he mentions, like, uh, Psycho Pirate and the Rebirth continuity. And uh, an interview that uh, I just read, really, is he's saying, like, well, you mentioned Psycho, uh, you mentioned Crisis and Psycho Pirate and, and Important Event and blah, 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 blah. And he kind of says, like, with the the interviewer says like with the fallout from the watchman related stuff, it's interesting to see psycho pirate show up right now. Mm -hmm. And that is also true. Like the, the man, the, the doomsday clock stuff is really taking, it's taking a lot of chances and to see that show up in the re in rebirth, like see psycho pirate show up in rebirth. And that, that's a nice combination. And Tom King says, yeah, you're too smart for me. I'm trying to hide something I should be hiding. The fact is, as established in Grant Morin's Animal Man, the pirate remembers continuity that no longer exists. Yeah, is one of it's one of the appeals of having him in the book and tying him into the story spine of the greater DCU. That's pretty vague, but that's the best I can do. <laughs> Even the interviewer says, "Like, dude, that's not really that vague." What kind of <laughs> I get it. Um, that that he is a powerful weapon. When you really look at what Psycho Pirate has has been around for. He he's a big he's a heavy hitter, mm-hmm. and combining him in the comics right now with uh, the inclusion of Doctor Manhattan on the the rest of the universe this this is possibly a big deal, and it sounds like we'll see him again. Yeah, I mean, Psycho Pirate to the DC uh, or to the DC universe is basically like the uh, the lost library at Alex- Alexandria, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like. Like the yeah. it, it, yes. like the anti flash death. Every time you see a flash die, Psycho Pirate's there to remember it, <laughs> to memorialize it, <laughs> gently swaying in the background. Yeah, <laughs> and that is a reference to that Mitchell and Webb look, the Inebriati. Go it's look that up on YouTube. Fucking sketch, man. Go, go. The idea that it's just an organization of drunk people at every major, every, <laughs> every major, major thing in history. In history. Go go spend six minutes of your life laughing. It's great. Yeah. At every major event in history, we've been there, gently swaying in the background. Yeah. <laughs> the motto can only have, like, you should spend your entire day having slightly less than two drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Which the first time I heard, I totally got. Because, like, the f- if you've had slightly less than two drinks, that's the best pool you'll ever play. You are a billiards mm-hmm. master. Finish that second drink, though. You finish that second drink and it's... Stop. Stop betting. Stop hustling. Stop putting money on the table. <laughs> anyway, let's... let's, let's <laughs> yeah, for... 
Jordan uh, also sends us a, uh, a voicemail for December 24th. Oh, Christmas it is, Eve uh, in, in In reference to our Titans review. What's up, DC on screen? This is Bat Jordan Valdez. I guess this is voicemail 106 for me. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to uh, call in and talk a little bit about Titans uh, because I just finished listening to your Titans review, and I absolutely loved it, and I absolutely loved the show. So I, I wanted to talk with you guys about it. Um, for me, uh, the the I love pretty much everything about season one, but for me, all the stuff with Dick Grayson in particular was the highlight for me. Uh, this is something I I've always said about the Birds of Prey TV show is how it explores aspects of the Batman mythology that we've never seen anywhere else in live action. And I feel that Titans does the same thing. I mean, giving us our first uh, live action Dick Grayson in 21 years, uh, giving us our first live action Jason Todd ever, and giving us two Robins on uh, in live action uh, together for the first time ever. Uh, so I absolutely loved all of that. Loved getting really into Dick's psychology, particularly in the season finale, uh, getting into his past, uh, his dynamic with Jason when they meet up, uh, his dynamic with ba- with Donna Troy and all the banter between the two of them. Uh, love everything. Oh, the action sequences. I mean, the suit. We've seen the suit, obviously, uh, way before the show even premiered, but uh, just seeing it in action, in those action scenes, absolutely loved it. It's just, it's mind-blowing to me what they did with Dick Grace. I'm totally with y'all that uh, the season finale, it reminded me as well of a mix of For Chance to Dream and Over the Edge. felt like, like the first half of the episode before before things started going completely wrong, like that was perchance a dream, like the idyllic um, uh, part of that episode. Uh, and then the second part of the episode where things went really bad, uh, that was like over the edge. So I'm totally with you all on that. Uh, in response to the question about Batman in live action on TV, I believe that it's uh, a stipulation from the WB Fox deal um, for Batman 66 that Fox has uh, exclusivity with Batman in live action on TV. But uh, as sad as I am about Gotham ending, and I really am, one silver lining is that I do think that may open up Batman for use uh, in full uh, in both the Arrowverse and on Titan. So um, there could be a silver lining there as much as I am super sad about Gotham ending. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, we're never going to agree on this, but The Dark Knight Rises is my favorite live action film of all time. So I got to come in and defend that real quick. Um, that's going to do it for me. Uh, Batcat forever from the first kiss to the last. I'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. All right, Jordy. Can I call you Jordy? Jordy. Um, for short. <laughs> I like Jordy. So, yeah, I didn't, I had not thought about is it being the first live action Dick Grayson in, what was it? You said 21 years? Is that right? It's been yeah. a minute. And, you know, uh, you know, more jaded uh, individuals might, uh, just eschew Chris O'Donnell completely and say this is the first live action Robin since Burt Ward <laughs> and of course first live action uh, Jason Todd absolutely I love the, I love Titans it is my favorite DC show right now and I say that with every uh, every honestly at this point every uh, expectation that Swamp Thing is going to wind up being my favorite possibly but, um, yeah I'm having high hopes for that, and I don't know quite why. That was a great, <laughs> great first foot, man. I mean, they they, they mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park on that show. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I totally get the chance to dream and over the edge. Like we, I think we talked about over the edge, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about per chance to dream the idyllic part of that. Uh, that was that was interesting. I think uh, per chance to dream is that. my favorite. Did we did we talk about that? I think it's where we did, but I don't know. Okay, well, hey, you know, whatever. I can't swear about everything uh, we've said. Those are like two of my favorite TAS episodes. They were so great. Why not? Yeah, that was great. It makes sense. That all tracks. Uh, now the. I'm going to be kind of a dick here, mm. not a dick Grayson, uh, but actual... you know, just saying, just saying the dark Knight rises is your favorite and leaving it there. That's not a defense. No, I, I, I mean, it is in a way it is all subjective. I mean, yes, absolutely. It's all subjective. We're not going to ding I, like I, fans I, without borders does, <laughs> but, uh, we will call them out I and don't say, wanna... absolutely go listen to that show. Cause it's a great show. Yeah. I don't want to take away from any anything that's happening but uh but dear god like i i don't understand it <laughs> i i just I, I just don't understand it i i, I it's all it's it's i think me. it's all because of it's just i think it's all for him i think it's all about batman and catwoman man maybe if man had played silver saint cloud he wouldn't have been into it he he does have a <laughs> a lean into batcat i get that um I mean, that's probably not fair. He probably would have liked it just fine. I just don't know that it would have been his favorite. Eh, I don't know. Let us know, Jordan. Let us know, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, if if Anne Hathaway was playing Silver St. Cloud instead of Selena Kyle. Weigh in on that. How do, you, right. how do you think you would have felt? Let's get to your uh, your next voicemail uh, on uh, January 8th. That's for our Gotham Season 5 premiere. A lot of Batcat in there. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. What's up, DC on screen? This is Bat Jordan Valdez calling in about the Gotham Season 5 premiere, which I absolutely loved. What a bat-tastic way to kick off Season 5. Uh, for me, of course, my favorite stuff in the episode was the Bat-Cat stuff. I just absolutely loved uh, Bruce and Selena's scenes together. They were heartbreaking for me, uh, both as a massive Catwoman fan and as a massive Bat-Cat shipper. Seeing Selena in the state she's in and um, just seeing issues between her and Bruce's relationship relationship, I guess you could say, in the episode. But I know that uh, happier times uh, are coming for them because there was a Bat-Cat kiss teased in one of the recent promos that I am super excited about. So uh, I have that to look forward to, I know. So I just can't wait to see where things go with their relationship. But it was a nice surprise to be uh, to, to get them together in this episode because I was expecting Selene to have gotten uh, out of Gotham. And so I wasn't expecting to see her and Bruce together for the first couple episodes, maybe. So that was a definitely a nice surprise for me as a massive backcatch shipper. I loved it. I uh, love that Bruce is there for her, just like he promised he would be at the end of season four. He's there with her. He's keeping his promise. And you just see how determined he is to help her throughout the episode and just reinforcing just how strong his love for her is. And I just absolutely adored all of that. It's heartbreaking as a lot of it was for me at the same time. In terms of Bruce taking on uh, Scarecrow's henchmen, I'm totally with Jason on this. I definitely got Batman vibes from it. I've been saying this uh, for so much of Gotham that we've gotten Batman, what I call Batman glimpses, and they just, as the shows progress, become more and more frequent. Uh, I think the first one that I really felt strongly, where I really saw Batman in David Mazuz's performance, was back in season one when uh, Alfred took him uh, to confront Tommy Elliot, and Alfred says, there's no shame if you want if you don't want to go through with this and Bruce just turns to Alfred and he says there would be a mensch shame in that 
And that was the first time when I really saw Batman in DeVee's performance. And just as the show progressed, just getting more and more Batman in young Bruce. And so I definitely felt that this was definitely an instance of that when he was taking out Scarecrow's henchmen. It reminded me a lot of the Batman Begins Doc uh, scene, where it's just uh, Bruce uh, really seeing it from the criminal's perspective and seeing Bruce take out all these men. And uh, also, I love that uh, there's also, you know, a Dark Knight Rises nod in the episode, as you mentioned, with Penguin's knee brace. But yeah, I absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, like I said, what a fantastic start to the season, and I can't wait to see uh, where things go moving forward. Batcat forever from the first kiss to the last. Bye-bye. Full disclosure, I'm taking notes on the Jordan Valdez voicemails with a black ultra fine point Sharpie. <laughs> and I very much enjoy the smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So contradicting the point of the notes by being high. Hmm? Exactly. Oh. <laughs> You're hosting a show right now and you should probably check into it. I'm doing a bang up job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, bang up job. What? <laughs> <laughs> just Batman vibes season one Tommy Elliot yes yes absolutely also Batman absolutely. vibes in the last episode totally got those thank you thank you Can't, Jordan I, I don't even remember that but um sounds good I may have disagreed at the time kicking ass with an I don't remember I don't remember the scene I don't remember the podcast <laughs> fair enough <laughs> imagine imagine tiny Bruce uh-huh Kicking a bunch of people's asses with night sure. vision goggles. Mm. Sounds pretty bad. I do batty, remember that. Right? Yeah, that was cool. Pretty bad. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a winner. Yeah, this marker smells good. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we got one more, it looks like. Nope, 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 nope. Sorry. Two more. Two more. Is it, is it two more? I don't know. I haven't looked at the total yet. No, it's one more. Yep. It's one more. One more. It's one more. Okay. One more. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about Plastic Man. Gotcha. And the Elongated Man. What's up, DC on Screen? This is Bat Jordan Valdez calling in with voicemail probably number 1,476. I think that's what Jason's count was. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to talk about some uh, stuff you talked about on your latest uh, news episode, which I loved. First up, uh, regarding the Plastic Man, Elongated Man debate. I love both of them. I think they're both fantastic characters. Uh, I am, personally, I prefer Plastic Man uh, slightly, though. I, you know, I, I think with this movie, I think it's going to be really exciting. I think they could sort of go with the similar tone to what we're seeing so far from Shazam and do something similar to that, but maybe even a little more zany. I think back to that uh, Batman the Brave and Bold episode with, you know, Woozy and everything and Baby. And uh, I just I just think they could go all out with that and just have a ton of fun. I love Elongated Man 2, of course. I love what they're doing with On the Flash, which, interestingly enough, I feel like it's sort of an amalgamation of Plastic Man and Elongated Man because it sort of feels like he has more Plastic Man's personality. Even though he's a detective like Elongated Man in the comics, he's also got – he was a corrupt detective, so it's sort of the criminal aspect to Plastic Man that's kind of given him a little bit uh but yeah i love that portrayal of him uh, identity crisis is uh, a favorite comic of mine probably my favorite justice league uh type comic ever and so of course he has a massive role in that so love that as well so yeah i love both characters but plastic man just he always cracks me up and uh i love him so he he, he gets the edge for me want to talk a little bit about the dcuom films that you guys are talking about Super pumped for everything they're doing, but especially Batman Hush and uh, Batman, especially number one, Batman Hush. 
I can't wait for all the Batcat stuff. We'll hopefully get in that. Uh, and then Batman Long Halloween, another comic, uh, another Jeff Loeb comic. It's a ton of Batcat stuff, so hopefully we get more of what Batman got by Gaslight, the animated film, gave us with some Bat-tastic Batcat moments in the DCUAOM line. In terms of the uh, Just League versus Fatal 5 cast, I'm super pumped about it. First of all, not only is it a Just League animated series reunion, it's also sort of a The Batman reunion because you've got George Newbern, who went on to reprise his role as Superman on The Batman. You've got uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, who was the Joker on The Batman. You've got Tom Kenny, who was the Penguin on The Batman. You've got the guy, uh, oh, Peter Jessup, who he's gone on to do a lot of DC roles, but uh, he was in the Hawkman episode of The Batman. What goes up? Tara Strong, she was Dickie Vale on The Batman. Uh, so you've just got uh, a ton of The Batman voice actors returning as well. So that's super exciting. Uh, Batcat forever from the first kiss to the last. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye. I am super excited about the Plastic Man movie. I do prefer Elongated Man more as, overall as a character, but I do love Plastic Man. I love those uh, Brave and the Bold episodes. I, I do want it to be woozy like uh, woozy, zany like woozy, and and all of that <laughs> stuff. Like I, I I I think it could be a lot of fun. Also, kind of agree as that long as the Flash version is an amalgamation. Absolutely. Um, I think as long as they keep the heart. Um, one of my favorite uh, stories with uh, Plastic Man was when he had given up the, the life and his kid was like, you know, you got to go save the world. He's the only one that can stop, you know, uh, Martian Manhunter from destroying everything right. because he's impervious to the telepathy and he can shapeshift. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he goes and saves the world and, like, comes back to his kid. Like, oh, that was just fantastic. Like, I don't know. I, th- I I like the redemption story for Plastic Man. That's huge. And I love Identity Crisis. And uh, that's where I really got into Ralph Dibney. And I, I know uh, Identity Crisis by Brad Meltzer. There's a recommendation. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. And that was, that was a huge turn for that character. For sure. That was a huge turn for the Justice League. Mm-hmm. The whole Sue Dibney I thing. Feel like I feel was That was big. Yeah. It's feeling petty now, but I still want to say take that Randy. And I want to mm. actually have like lady backup dancers go, take that Randy. <laughs> but <laughs> I hope he knows this all in good fun. I'm just playing, man. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Identity Crisis is fantastic. Uh, huge turning point. Huge, uh, huge story. Uh, there is like, there, there are at least three panels in that, in that story that are seared into my brain. Mm-hmm. And I won't spoil it for you if you haven't read it. You just need to go check it out. Fair enough. All right, so Batman Hush, Batman Long Halloween. It's funny, Jeff Jeff Loeb is like overseeing Marvel television, but it looks like the <laughs> looks like DC's going to have more than enough Loeb this year too. Yeah, he, And uh, Jeff Loeb is fantastic. Yeah, no man, he wrote some iconic stories. Like he he put a huge imprint on this on these characters it, it it can't be understated overstated sorry i mean jeff Loeb had some of the best smallville stuff jeff Loeb uh did you know superman for all seasons batman the long halloween batman dark victory uh spider-man blue daredevil <laughs> yellow like really fantastic marvel and dc stuff yeah both sides of the aisle the guy's fantastic just good writer and, um, overall his son sam was fantastic too god rest his soul hmm. like just really good stuff. So, uh, anything that says Jeff Loeb on it, you should be reading. Superman, Batman, whatever that... Uh, was it called Superman, Batman, or Batman, Superman? Either way, 
the first arc, I think, was the uh, Public Enemies art with uh, Ed, Ed McGinnis was drawing that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, he's, he's, he's uh, unimpeachable. It's a good word for it. I'm in the little one of his right now that's like Batman, Superman, Absolute Power. Oh, that's a good one. Never heard of it before. Never heard of it before. I found it for a <laughs> buck somewhere, and <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yep, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it. That's it. We covered a lot. Are we done? I think so. I'm closing my notebook. Did you hear that? I closed my notebook. I'm putting it on my pile of bags. I can make it like, some desk. kind of foley sound that sounds like closing a notebook, but I don't think it's. I'm having withdrawals. It. Yeah. I need the sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. A lot of water. A lot of water. Mm-hmm. Maybe some meditation. Right. I've got a lot of water. Yeah. I've got a. Uh, I've got a great value purified, uh, purified drinking water here, and mm-hmm. I've got a tangerine Lacroix. Yeah, those are fantastic. Uh, which, by the way, I know we talked about Lacroix, mm-hmm. but if you go to the Lacroix website, they actually say you pronounce it Lacroix. Look, wait, Lacroix or La- La- Lacroix? What? What are we doing? L- Lacroix. Lacroix says that you pronounce it Lacroix. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're good here. Yeah. We are good. Not great, but we're good. I'll take that. Keep some DC on your screen. Good. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? This is your new home speaking. I know you haven't moved in yet, but I need some favors. Could you dust the blinds? The dust makes me feel dusty. Also, we could save a lot of money if you bundled your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's super easy to do online or over the phone. Last favor, when you move in, could you stick to one aesthetic? The last owner had a weird mix of floral wallpaper and nautical tchotchkes, and I can't have another identity crisis. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th.